first, I want to start with the big news story of the week, which was the same big news story for the last couple of weeks. Um, On Monday will be two weeks exactly after the FBI searched former President uh, Ronald uh, Ronald Reagan's, (laughs) Donald Trump's, uh, maybe I was wishful thinking, um, Mar-a-Lago home and removed 15 boxes of documents, some of which were deemed to be top secret. And now the judge who signed the warrant has indicated he would consider unsealing some of the information that is contained in the probable cause affidavit, and we'll talk about what that means, um, and to know a little bit about what the evidence is that warranted um, this search. With us to discuss the legal mechanics of this and possible outcomes is a a favorite of uh, the Karen Conti show, one of Chicago's most accomplished civil and criminal defense attorneys, uh, Renato Mariato. He's a former federal prosecutor and now a partner in the mega firm of Thompson Coburn. He tries cases, handles appeals, and highly sought after for his legal analysis on CNN and WGN television. Um, He is a Naperville native and a graduate of Yale Law School, and he was also a candidate for Illinois Attorney General. Welcome back to the show, Renato. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Always good to talk to you. So let's talk a little bit about the issue of to the the warrant um we we saw a copy of the warrant which set forth the uh the basically the probable cause uh, allegations the idea of of what crimes were committed and it also contained the list which was called the receipt of what documents were removed just generally speaking categorically what those documents were what is it that the judge said this week about what might further be revealed So what the judge decided, and it was actually a a very unusual decision by the judge, what the judge decided was that there were some, uh, first of all, he allowed the search warrant itself and some of the materials that um, are uh, accompany the search warrant, uh, like the attachments to the search warrant, to be revealed to the public while the investigation is ongoing. And then he determined regarding the affidavit which is essentially the mechanism by which the government, the, the prosecution, sets forth evidence to convince the judge that there's sufficient evidence to warrant that search. Um, the judge ruled that the government would should propose redactions, and then he would personally review those redactions to determine what portions of the affidavit should be revealed. And I just have to say, Karen, that usually... None of that is revealed to the public or even to the person uh, who's, uh, who is, uh, whose premises are searched. Uh, they only get a copy of the warrant and the inventory of the item C. So very unusual. Um, and I think it fits, obviously, of this, this quite unusual and unprecedented case. I mean, just and and you and I both know that, and, and as you watch whatever uh, investigations are going on, it's all very secretive, you know, and and, and offices mm-hmm. are are searched and people are, appear before the grand jury, but we don't know what's going on until the charges are brought. And so, what do you th- make of this? I mean, you know, I think sure. of the FBI and I think of the part, Department of Justice, and you tell me because you were a U.S. attorney, you were in the office. Um, what they they aren't as much as everyone's saying this is political and maybe there's some politics going on, but they really try not to be political and and they don't 
succumb to the pressures of the media who want a, a soundbite. And yet we had, you know, this stuff revealed that was never revealed that I've ever seen in, in an investigation, especially this magnitude. And we had Merrick Arlen actually give a short speech about some of the things um, that he, he, you know, he wanted to say about this, this investigation. What do you make of this kind of public airing that is usually not public? Well, that's a great question. So first of all, you're right that all of this is usually private. So when my one of my clients has an office or home searched, we don't know anything about the investigation. And I basically am reliant on the prosecutor in the case saying something to me, uh, anything uh, about the investigation. All I know is just what's on the face of the search warrant. And the, and I, I know what was seized uh, from my client's office or residence. This is unusual. Um, however, I guess what I would say is it's unusual in a number of different ways. I mean, first of all, if reporting is accurate, and I think we'll find out soon when there's these re- the um, unredacted portions of the affidavit are become public, there is an extraordinary amount of deference that was shown to the former president, right? So, in other words, if one of my clients had top secret, uh, secret component, you know, compartmentalized information in their home, I don't think that there would have been like a friendly discussion uh, ongoing for, for weeks, months beforehand, asking my client to give it back or a subpoena being delivered. Uh, they, they would have just come in and taken stuff. And so, you know, I do think that's part of the backdrop of what happened here. Um, it, it's also worth noting the FBI also did something that they ordinarily wouldn't do, which is wait until the property owner isn't home and then go in without identifiable um, clothing so that their presence wouldn't be detected, so they wouldn't make a seat. You know, I think that's why when Merrick Garland did make that statement, he was careful to say very little, obviously, but also to mention that it was the former president who had made the search public. In other words, that ordinarily they say very little to protect the rights of someone who has not been charged with a crime. But here, given that the former president himself made such a a loud noise about this in the public, they felt justified in doing so. So, you know, to, to circle back to something you said, you know, in my experience, the United States Attorney's Office is not partisan. And one important thing I would say for all of us in the Chicago area, is my former colleagues are really what we we re- who we rely on to keep our politics clean here in Illinois, and they're the ones who put both sides uh, in uh, in prison as needed. And I think it's important for all of us to be able to have faith in career prosecutors in the uh, Justice Department and the and law enforcement, such as the FBI. Well, and you're right. We've seen uh, uh, governors from both sides of the aisle march off to uh, to uh, to their um, their prison sentence. We're talking to Renato Mariotti, and we're talking a little bit about this uh, Donald Trump and the documents. And we'll continue that conversation when we return after these commercial breaks. We're talking to Renato Mariotti about the Donald Trump um, warrant, and I have a caller who did not want to go on air, and uh, I'm going to throw this at you, Renato. Are there any legal responsibilities for not redacting the agent's names on the report, and can anything be done to protect the agents shown in the security footage? 
And I don't, I'm well, not sure. Uh, I, I, I know people are, are kind of obsessed with, with all these issues on the how-tos and how it happened. But do you know anything about this? Yeah, I do. So I actually think it's a very savvy question by your caller. So, or smart question. So there, there, people who aren't following this closely might not realize this, but before the search warrant was released by the court, there were leaks that were made to the, to the media. And um, they were made to particularly to the Wall Street Journal and to Breitbart. And Breitbart, in particular, did not redact the names of the FBI agents from the search warrant. They put them out for the public to see. And there was a, um, a, uh, a flash alert on the Truth Social app, which is owned by Trump, um, that l- directed people to that Breitbart article. And so um, w- what I will say is, um, you know, uh, what, uh, what I have heard from journalists is that this, these leaks actually did come. Uh, one, came, one of those came personally from Trump himself, but they all came from Trump's camp. And, you know, there was some, a lot of discussion about, you know, w- what this meant in the wake of obvious threats, including in the Cincinnati uh, FBI field office regarding uh, the safety of the FBI. And what I would say um, is, while I think there can be a lot of criticism of this, obviously, uh, I think uh, most of us do not want our law enforcement officers to be put at risk. Um, I think that uh, the former president has a First Amendment right to uh, tell the public um, who is involved in the investigation. Obviously, um, he should he can and should be criticized for doing so. But I don't see any obvious. There's no it's not obvious that he has any criminal liability for that. Obviously, if he I will say this, if he did have the intent to obstruct the investigation in some way, that could be proven, which would be difficult. That is something that, um, you know, that would would potentially fall within an investigation. But I don't think that's likely. Renato, you know, what is it that, you know, we are speculating about the purpose of this whole thing and um, and, and what what is the government getting at? And I'm going to give you the A, B, and C. A, the feds just wanted the documents back because they believed that they're top secret and they are top secret and they shouldn't be sitting in a president's basement. Um, Or B, they want to charge Trump with actually illegally removing these documents. Or C, this is part of a bigger issue, maybe relating to the January 6th um, uh, situation. Just, I know you don't have a legal crystal ball here, but what do you think? What is your gut? Well, this is, this is, in my opinion, the million-dollar question, or the $64,000 question for us old people remember that show. Uh, <laughs> really the most important question related to this. So one thing I think I, I will rule out uh, is the third uh, option. I don't believe, based on everything that I've heard and seen publicly and not publicly, that this is part of some separate investigation. Um, this was, I think, the culmination of a long effort to obtain these documents from the former president. When this first occurred, uh, I talked to a lot of friends and associates who have national security experience, and one suggestion that was made to me was that the, the, the retrieval of the documents in itself um, was the um, end goal here, or was very likely a primary goal or the primary goal here, because 
in the national security world, unlike a criminal investigations world, and I was a criminal prosecutor and I focused on, you know, prosecuting complex white collar crime, not not just, um, uh, you know, engaging in national security issues. Um, in a national security sense, just getting the these top secret and top secret SDI documents back is is an end in and of itself. And whether or not there's anything more to come, you know, that's that's something you might do just for that purpose. However, what I've been hearing from journalists, and I, at least one of the reports got published. I had been asked about it by journalists, and they did put it out. Was that there have been interviews by the DOJ of. Um, of of former Trump administration officials basically to lock them out of a store of of lock lock them out of saying lock in their story of saying that there was no, um, you know, informal standing order by the former president to unclassify documents. And I really don't believe the Justice Department would be doing that if they weren't building charges. There's also some language in the search warrant uh, motion to seal, um, and some of the briefing on that, the unsealing motion, that suggests that there's an ongoing investigation. So I can't, as you said, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but if I was a betting man, um, I would bet on this being an ongoing criminal investigation related to these documents and the issues surrounding these documents. So this week, the judge indicated that um, th- that he might be willing to release certain portions of the affidavit. And and can you explain to our listeners why this part of the warrant is so um, content, you know, it, it's content important, and what might be in there? And then I'm going to also ask you the question, why in the world would f- Mr. Trump want those allegations out in public? Okay. So first of all, um, the way that, that uh, the, the that searches are supposed to work in the, under the Constitution is the way that they worked here, which is that um, the law enforcement goes to a judge, they present the judge with evidence, and the judge considers whether or not there's sufficient evidence to warrant issuing, you know, to issue a search warrant, and the judge did so. Now, the way that the the FBI puts that evidence in front of the judge is in the form of an affidavit where an agent makes basically affirms to the judge and swears to the judge that, you know, here's the evidence we have. And so the agent might describe documents and lay that out for the judge. The the agent might um, relay information provided by confidential sources, including, by the way, potential issues that the confidential source has like literally you would say to the judge this confidential source is being paid by the fbi or they have convictions of for uh, fraud convictions or whatever the issues are right or they may be biased against the former president or whatever the issues might be you put that all in front of the judge the judge makes that determination so essentially this is laying out everything that the government has done in their case so it's very sensitive Almost never. I cannot think of in my 20 plus years career, I can't think of a circumstance in which this has happened before, where the affidavit is released in the middle of the investigation. So you're saying, why in the world would the former president want this? Typically, a defendant, I think it it would be a close call. Like if one of my defendants had this option presented to them, which would be astounding, I'd be amazed um, if I was given that golden opportunity what I would tell my clients are, would be, well, my counsel to them would be, well, 
it would help me, your lawyer, to know all of what the government's doing so we could start planning and trying to basically get ahead of the government on some of these issues, interview people before them, you know, try to review dockets before them, start preparing our defense. On the other hand, the the affidavit is likely to be very damaging, and this is all going to be made public right now, and there's a chance the government doesn't charge you, or if they do, that not all of these details will become public. I mean, you really just, want all that to happen. It just seems so wrong for him to want that because there's not going to be anything in there that exonerates him. But uh, I guess right. I guess we'll wait and see. And we could talk about this for, forever. Time went way too fast. Uh, Renato yeah. Mariotti, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Renato is a partner at Thompson Coburn. And if uh, people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, you just, just search my name, Renato Mariotti. You'll see me come up. I'm actually going to be joining a new firm on, uh, tomorrow, Brian oh. Case, as a partner. So very exciting uh, for me. I'm very excited about that. So you'll find me there. You can also check me out on Twitter or LinkedIn or any other um, any other uh, uh, social media app. And uh, R-E-N-A-T-O Mariotti.